TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Welcome to Nothing Impossible on St. Louis's News Radio, KMOX. Hey, welcome into our show where we talk about what's new and next in St. Louis. What are those entrepreneurs up to this week? That's why we're here. That is why we're here. And we get to each week we get to talk to entrepreneurs who are not just thinking about things, they are doing things. And this is another week of talking to doers. Doers and evolvers. Uh, when we talk about one of our startups, invisibly, they began with one mission. They've pivoted to what's become a need for consumers and a big industry in the online realm without losing sight of their original focus. Invisibly, founded by a name you should recognize, Jim McKelvey, also co-founded Square. Yeah, and so we're going to talk with uh, the head of product for Invisibly and find out what they're doing now and actually dig into what they've been doing recently as it relates to uh, some of the recent elections. Yeah, Dr. Don Vaughn is coming up. And then there's so much talk about small businesses and startups and the mom and pop restaurants and the storefronts on Main Street. How is everybody going to get through this pandemic? And uh, especially those businesses that rely on foot traffic and customers coming in. There have been some programs from the federal government to help. You've heard the term PPP, I'm sure, over the last six months. We're going to talk with a large local credit union, Together CU, to find out what the demand has been among St. Louis area businesses. How are they struggling? Where are they succeeding? We'll get the scoop on that. And then we're going to wrap up the, uh, the show today talking about a new program and initiative that's uh, helping elevate voices and connect uh, underrepresented entrepreneurs. The event, is, the event and program is actually called Voices. It's kicking off next Tuesday. We're going to talk to the program manager uh, about that and what that will do for the St. Louis region. Oh, so much, so much great stuff. And that's really exciting because there are so many resources in the St. Louis area. Another example of where I think we punch above our metro level and yet there are so many, it's like, where do I begin? If I'm looking for my group or if I'm looking for support, where do you start? And that's where Voices well, comes in. Yeah, and just imagine over this pandemic, uh, you can't go out to networking events like Venture Cafe and Cortex or things like that to, to get connected physically. So it ends up being possibly an endless Google search of how do I achieve my business dream. So I'm glad that groups like Voices are helping coalesce that both in the virtual and physical environment. Endless Google search. Sounds less interesting than those Wikipedia holes sometimes (laughs) fall into. So stick around. We have a lot to talk about. We'll be back with more Nothing Impossible right after this. Welcome back to Nothing Impossible on St. Louis's News Radio, KMOX. Welcome into Nothing Impossible, Michael Calhoun and... 
and Travis Sheridan, and we are going to uh, we're going to chat with a St. Louis startup that maybe has flown in under the radar a bit. We could say possibly a bit invisible, uh, not really knowing what 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 is going on with Invisibly. Uh, we're joined right now with Dr. Don Vaughn. He is the head of product for Invisibly. Thanks for joining us, Don. Thanks so much for having me on. So. Uh, yeah, I think it, I've always considered invisibly, at least in the last you know eighteen to twenty four months, uh, you know, a best kept secret in the St. Louis startup community. Can you tell us a little bit about what invisibly is first to set the stage? Yeah, so invisibly is a uh, market research and polling company. Right now, we developed some uh, very advanced technology that allows us to do polling all across uh, the digital uh, web, so all across the internet, um, and that is a, a play to fix all the disastrous polling that's happened for things like presidential elections and how inaccurate they've been over the last several years. So what's different about the invisibly approach, the data points you use, the inferences you draw, what sets you apart from the traditional uh, polling methods? Well, for one, we get it right, which is hard, hard to do in the last couple of elections. We've seen polls off by up to 17 points. I think CNN put one out about how, how far Trump was down. And we've been saying it's been neck and neck the whole time. The, the way we do that for your, for your audience, I don't know who knows, but a lot of polling is still done by calling your landline or robo-dialing mobile phones. And I don't know about you, but I don't pick those up. So what you end up getting is a, a sample that's not representative at all of either the region or in the or America. And so you get polls that are off by an absolute massive amount. What Invisibly does is we do polling online completely. So when you're browsing the web, you read, uh, you know, you're on a website, you might have a poll pop up and you can decide to answer it or not. And what we're finding is that that, te- that technology that we have is extremely accurate. We, we predicted the 2020 presidential uh, race within four electoral votes. Well, and I, you know, I've, I see those surveys, probably not all driven or run uh, under the hood by invisibly. Uh, have it, sometimes I just try to pass through them as quickly as possible uh, so I can get into the publication that I'm wanting to read or something along those lines. Uh, what, what has been the quality that you've seen of the, the data you've been collecting from, from the users? Yeah, well, just to be clear, I think those kind of surveys are annoying. The ones where you can't even get into the article unless you answer some question about Harry's razors. Google runs a lot of those and they drive me nuts. I don't think people give honest answers to that. I, I lie on purpose because, you know, screw you for, for making me tell you that. I'm glad I'm, I'm not the only, I'm glad I'm not the only one. Then. <laughs> you're, you're one of, everybody hates those. Uh, we don't do that. Um, we, ours are totally voluntary and optional. If you want to respond, great. If you don't, not a problem. Keep going. Um, and what we end up finding is that we end up getting massive samples that are, that are way larger than normal polls. And I think that's some of the secret sauce that, and no, a normal political poll, you might get a thousand respondents, you know, 800. Um, we predicted the election with 65,000 responses from registered voters. Can you tell us a little bit about some of the areas that you've polled? We, we got a, um, a, a little bit from you about Robin Hood, for instance, and, yeah. and the uh, uh, YOLO stonk options the, that was going on. Uh, <laughs> what did you find out with that, for instance? Yeah, we, we you know, I, um, I feel like we have our pulse on what's going on in a very, very special way that, um, you know, some of these legacy providers that have to pull and take weeks to process it, they're just out of the loop. It's an antiquated way of doing it. So, for example, when it comes to the Robinhood, we knew a few days after this was a really bad press event for Robinhood, the trading app. So for those of the viewers who don't know, essentially 
um, individuals got together online and decided that they are going to start purchasing a lot of GameStop uh, and blow up the stock price. And they did that. Um, and what happened is Robinhood, which is this um, this stock trading app, it, they shut down trading. I think it was because they weren't able to, to fulfill the order. So they, they had a business reason for doing it. But when we asked our poll online, well, what, you know, what does the public think of shutting down all these individual investors from making purchases? We found overwhelmingly 77% of Americans thought that what Robinhood did by stopping investors from being able to trade the stock specifically was market manipulation on Robinhood's part. Not a good look. And and what one when, when the information is out there, you know, when the truth is revealed, how do people respond to that? I think <laughs> I think in this case, it's pretty clear that if you think you're going to get a bunch of sympathy from the hedge funds that lost potentially <laughs> billion dollars from from everyday Americans who are still struggling to get by, um, you're on another planet. So pretty much, you know, pretty much everybody aligns with that's the outcome. On the other side of the spectrum, some of our results have been more controversial. For example, I've, I've been in, in a downright fight with the Washington Post for uh, months uh, with their political section trying to get them to you know, count invisibly as a political poll and not the polls that are off by 10, 15, 17 points in their predictions of what happened with Trump uh, to very little success. Um, so you know, when you're coming in and, you know, we're calling the race, we've been called, we called it for months ahead of time. We're like, this is a neck and neck race. Um, and no one would really listen. So I think that's, you know, just, that's what happens when you're a startup and you have new technologies, you got to fight the institutions. And fortunately we, you know, we're founded by Jim McKelvey, who's a, you know, obviously a St. Louis native. And he just, he just realized that something's screwy online that everybody else seems to be taking data from you and, Everybody else seems to be doing surveys and figuring stuff out without your input and, and, and control really at all. And invisibly is, while we're starting with market research, the bigger mission is to give people control back online. Seems like there's a lot of crossover or more crossover than there has been between you know private sector uh, companies, market research firms, and political campaigns. Is that something that you're saying? Yeah, I think there's a, you know, if you just kind of zoom out, there's a big thing happening, which is, you know, for the last 200 years, big institutions have controlled whatever you want to do. The individual doesn't have a lot of control. We don't have a lot of power. But what the Robin Hood uh, and, and the public reaction would happen illustrates is that we're in a new era, Mike. We're in an era where individuals can get together, band together on chat rooms, hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands, and start to actually make a clear difference in the world. And you know, you didn't need a head funds or manipulating the markets for for years. And so the fact that now individual investors can get together and combine sort of the public and and private mechanisms of a trading app, um, you know, that's a new era and that's going to continue. So what's next for Invisibly? How, you know, as the head of product, uh, how do you continue to see this evolving? Yeah, uh, this is, you know, this is this first aspect of people taking control and being able to voice their opinion online at scale and, and contribute to the conversation is step number one. Step two that we'll be releasing in just over a month is um, is the next step in people taking back control, which is you'll be able to log in uh, and create an account invisibly and you'll be able to link uh, your data and make money from it. We think that the fact that Facebook and Google make hundreds of dollars off everybody every year uh a lot of the time behind your back without people really understanding what's going on. They use your data to sell ads and, and do market research. Um, we think that people should be involved in that and people should have control over that. So you can imagine Travis that you might 
might log into your invisibly portal. You might link, uh, decide, you know what, I'm, I'm willing, I want to sell my Facebook data and I want to make money and we'll be paying you a data dividend every month. Where does that data go? Uh, do you have partnerships with ad servers to use that data? Yeah, that's exactly right. Some of it is uh, selling it for ads so that you get more relevant ads. Um, and some of it is just doing market research. Pe- companies want to know what people think, what they're doing. And uh, uh, pe- companies need to know that. And kind of the problem is that the only mechanism right now is to be sneaky as hell, which is to put trackers on sites and follow you around and get you to accept all these cookies that no one really wants to accept these cookies, right? You don't you know, we all decline all this stuff. They make it a whole bunch of work to opt out. It's all garbage, Mike. Um, so we're, we're clean, you know, we're bringing trust back. We're cleaning up the ecosystem and you're in control. You can decide to share your data and decide, you know, I do want to receive these ads. I want to receive a special offer. If it comes up for a discount, that's something I'm interested in, but it puts, you know, there's a new, the next 20 years are going to be a huge change from what's happened. The last 10 has been, big tech platforms taking control over what you do. And the next 20, I think, are going to be people fighting back and taking back their data and taking back control. Well, did my understanding of Invisibly, maybe when it first started, it was looking uh, at partnerships with the publications and, and trying to make uh, look at monetization opportunities for publications. Does this represent a pivot uh, in the product of Invisibly? Uh, is this just a natural iteration given the, the needs in the market? Can you tell us a little bit about how this has evolved? Yeah, you, you have a great memory, Travis. That's exactly. I joined the company for that reason. It's to save journalism. And it, uh, underneath that, what we, you know, we, what Jim was able to do is he just saw local journalism having a real problem and declining, and so he founded Invisibly in order to save it. He's like, how do we squeeze more money out of this ecosystem so that publishers can have full newsrooms again? And it took us about a year and a half. And under the investigation time, what we figured out was that there was a deeper underlying problem. It was really that people. Uh, there was something wrong in the data, eco- data ecosystem that people show up on a website and they have no real way to take control over what's happening. And there's um, what Jim figured out is there's a lot of value there. There's a lot of value in empowering people. And, you know, if you were actually incentivized, Travis, to to be a part of what's going on and say, you know what, I'm, I am interested in a, a new car. Why don't y'all go um, argue with each other and someone show up and show me the best price? And I'm willing to tell you that because it's good for me that is what's going to unlock massive amounts of, of you know, I, I, I'll say value from a business perspective, but just me as a longtime academic and researcher, that is what the world needs to do because it's a hopeless fight to fight against, against a bunch of machines that have your data and are trying to figure you out. Well, that's how the news industry used to uh, monetize itself, classified ads, the automotive section, the real estate section, uh, that sort of thing. And so is the goal to eventually circle back to the news industry and maybe offer this as a kind of um, a white label product that they can use and, and instead of uh, they can get in on some of this. You're talking about uh, money from data. I got to be honest, you gave me, you gave me goosebumps because you nailed it, which is that we do, we do end up back there. I think the first step is we got to empower people to, to make some money off this, or I don't think enough people are going to be interested. And, and it's a luxury to think about data privacy. There's people that are struggling to get by. They need an extra 200 bucks in their wallet every year uh, from their data to start thinking about this. And then we, I think we do come back to content. That's my long-term vision is that I think that I want to fight back to take control over what's referred to us right now. It's the Facebooks and Twitters and they have their algorithms that show you what they want to keep you clicking and keep you engaged and get as much of your time as they can. 
And I envision a world where in, you take control with Invisibly and you say, you know what? I want this kind of news or I want this kind, you know, I want, I'm interested in this right now or I want pop science topics so I can talk about them at a party or whatever. People should be in control of what's recommended to them, not a bunch of opaque algorithms that are misincentivized to get you to click a bunch. And in terms of giving consent, I'd imagine people be a lot more likely to trust, to click OK with the St. Louis Post-Dispatch or the Kansas City Star versus Google or Facebook. I think that's right. I think um, I think people, you know, there's a the local paper still carry a lot of weight. And I think uh, we just we got to bring more transparency right now. It's all um, it's all confusing. So a lot of invisibly is just we're here to be your data advocate to, to figure out where data is actually going and give you control over it. And as long as you are OK with your data going, you know, specifically to the dispatch and these your email and these factors, then great. Um, but if it's not something you want, then you shouldn't you shouldn't do it. And uh, Don, before we let you go, you mentioned uh, that you are an academic and a researcher and you joined Invisibly, which is a St. Louis startup. Tell us a little bit about what drew you to the startup ecosystem and, and that community. I, uh, I love academia. I studied the brain for a long time. I studied what what makes us show empathy for one another. And um, my research pretty clearly showed that, uh, you know, these you show empathy for people. You don't show empathy for 140 characters in a, in a tweet uh, for text. And so people say horrible, mean things online to each other. And I, I just kind of left with the opinion from academia of, okay, well, it's now our brains versus an army of supercomputers on the other side that are constantly collecting data on us and trying to figure out the next thing to serve us to make, to put more money in, you know, uh, Zuckerberg's pocket. And so that's a losing battle. It, it's just, it's not something that I think we can fight. And so I, I realized we needed to go, I needed to go into private industry to actually build something that was going to take control back for people and, and invisibly is it. Don, is uh, Invisibly still based in Clayton? And what is the, the impression that you've gotten of the St. Louis startup ecosystem? Yeah, uh, absolutely. So um, Invisibly is, is still based in St. Louis and uh, in Clayton. And I think that, you know, there's a big exodus happening from the San Francisco Bay Area because of, you know, the digitization. And right now we're just, you know, we're, we're talking, uh, you know, um, uh, on the Internet and everything's working. So people jobs are moving around. And, and St. Louis, I think, is going to be a, a hot hub. And I think Jim McKelvey has done a, a good job of, uh, of fostering that. I mean, he started Launch Code, which helps people program. And that's the key component of any kind of technological startup. So I think we're going to see the, the scene continue to increase. And that's a good thing for St. Louis. Real quick, what is the the latest information that you've got on the mayor's race, especially now that we've got the top two finalists? What's the data that you had going into the election? Yeah, I uh, we ran our real time research product, our, our you know our polling online, and we and we collected a pretty a pretty good sized sample. And um, I actually didn't even see the results until yesterday, but we were dead on. We we had uh, uh, as opposed to some of the local polls, the only thing that we changed is we had Kara Spencer in number two spot, and that's uh, ended up what happening. So we were within a half a percentage point on uh, several of the candidates. And so I, um, you know, I'm a scientist, so I'm always skeptical about things, but it, it looks like we, again, made a very accurate prediction in this case. All right. Well, Dr. Don Vaughn, the uh, head of product for Invisibly, thanks for joining us, Don. Mike Travis, thanks for having me on. All right. Stick around. We'll have more Nothing Impossible right after this. Welcome back to Nothing Impossible, our show about local innovation and startups, small businesses. And a lot of them are struggling these days, especially those with consumer-facing businesses. There have been some PPP rounds of loans that have been made available to help them. 
how far have those loans gotten? How helpful have they been? How many St. Louis businesses have taken advantage? Let's get some background on this from Together Credit Union's Chief Lending Officer, Michael Doc Doherty. Thank you so much for joining us on KMOX. Well, thank you, Michael. You know, it's a, it's a pleasure to be here to be able to share the Together Credit Union story. And you're absolutely right. We know that there's been a lot of businesses in the St. Louis market that have had some negative consequences with the pandemic and just some of the, uh, you know, stay at, stay at home orders and things like that. But, uh, you know, we were fortunate right when the pandemic started back in uh, the first quarter of 2020, uh, we worked very closely with the SBA of St. Louis and got approved to offer uh, the Small Business Administration Paycheck uh, Protection Program. And over the past uh, year, uh, we've now been able to support uh, 424 local businesses uh, distributing uh, close to $13 million in support. And what has that support done for those 424 businesses? Do you have any anecdotes or small case studies that you can share with us of how important it was for that infusion of capital? Absolutely. You know, that was the difference between some of those uh, small businesses having to uh, let employees go or uh, think of shutting their doors. Uh, We have many examples within those 400 uh, businesses that you know, it made the difference of the businesses making their payroll on time to continue to provide the health care benefits for their employees and basically keep the doors open and continue to effectively operate those businesses. What types of businesses are we talking about here? Yeah, we have uh, quite, quite a variety. We have uh, home improvement businesses such as uh, Massey Tuck Pointing. We have businesses that provide uh, services to businesses like the bilingual international assistance services and also uh, many restaurants and and, uh, other service providers uh, such as uh, Bella Vino in St. Charles. And as you're as we're seeing, you know, the the vaccinations rolling out and, and and some locations starting to open up a little bit. Uh, are you seeing some of that recovery start to occur within these small businesses? We truly are. Um, one of the things that we track uh, now that we've gone into the second round of the program, uh, we haven't seen as high as a demand uh, in the second round. So that's an indication that businesses are starting uh, to return to their new normal or at least uh, getting through what we like to call, you know, they're moving from the relief phase to the recovery phase. And as an example, with the 300 PPP loans that we did in the first round, over 215 of them have already been fully remitted. So that means that those businesses have already returned the money and those loans are paid. Uh, And what we've seen in the second round is about two thirds of the businesses that are coming to us are requesting a second draw. So what that means is the those businesses are in a situation where they still need a little bit of help uh, and are taking advantage of a second draw through the SBA program. Um, but that's to me that's encouraging because then you got one third or more of the businesses that are now 
back taking care of their own financials, taking care of their employees, and beginning to serve uh, the St. Louis communities that, that we serve. We're talking now, with Michael Doherty, who's the Chief Lending Officer at Together Credit Union. And can you tell us a little bit about how the process has gone when people think about uh, a government program, they may think, all right, how is this process going to be? How is the application going to go? How's the website going to be designed? Uh, but the way that the federal government's done this is that they've uh, funneled this through local banks and credit unions and financial organizations like yours. And so can you just give us a taste of how this whole process has gone? How smooth has it been? Yeah. You know, when, when the process first started, I must say that it was a little clunky because, you know, you were bringing up brand new processes, brand new systems that hadn't existed prior to the pandemic. But working with our uh, IT services group here at Together Credit Union, working with uh, uh, the, the St. Louis SBA group, and just going through the months and time, we were able to get all the technology working. Uh, we were also able to work with what we refer to as robotics process automation, because the information that the businesses are providing is pretty standard, we were able to streamline the process and set everything up digitally so that they could uh, get the process and the turnaround as quickly as possible. Now, there were challenges through that, but now that we're in the second round, I like to refer to it as we've got muscle memory and we've taken advantage of improving those processes, and we've moved all the documents into an electronic uh, digital signing process, and even the SBA has created streamlined processes and simpler templates uh, for the business owners to uh, work with us through. I think I'm reminded of the moment, in the, I think it was in that, somewhere in the 80s, where Ronald Reagan said the most terrifying words in the English language are, I'm from the government and I'm here to help. Uh, right. And, you know, we've seen, as Michael said, seen these government programs roll out uh, with a lot of red tape. Uh, even even healthcare.gov, uh, when it rolled out during the Obama administration, was fraught with, with, with challenges. When you're seeing the second round of PPP, are you seeing a lot of learning that's taken place from the government and they're making it, the government's actually making the process easier as well? Absolutely. They, they, when I look at round one versus round two, they, they simplified the rules. They simplified the documentation requirements. They simplified, they went from a, a two-page or two-and-a-half-page submission form to a one-page template. Um, they've updated what we refer to as the uh, there's a portal that we access through Together Credit Union with the SBA, and we take any, anybody who's interested in a loan can go to our website and find links to the SBA portal. And, you know, we have a team of dedicated uh, business service personnel that are also working very closely uh, with Tom Diver at the St. Louis uh, Small Business Administration. And that's where I see, although it's big government, uh, what we what we really have found is that we're a local credit union, Mike, who's working with the local St. Louis uh, Small Business Administration, and we're making a difference locally here in our community for the St. Louis businesses, and and that's what kind of takes some of that, uh, you know, some of the clunky clunkiness out of the process because it's, you know. A local credit union and the local St. Louis SBA helping local businesses, and 
when we focus on things that are, are close to our hearts and our lives, you know, we're able to get things done. Well, Mike, you mentioned the robotic process automation system with the applications for the PPP loans. Just give us an update on Together Credit Union in general, the technological features you've introduced. You've had a rebranding in the last uh, several months. Uh, tell us about the latest with Together Credit Union. Yeah, you know, you mentioned our, our, our latest uh, branding initiative. It, it's been just over a year now that we've been Together Credit Union, and we're just excited about how we were able to bring Anheuser-Busch employees, Purina Credit Union, and American Eagle, all of our brands together in, in one new um, credit union name. Um, but it's more than a name. It's actually the way we do business. You know, we believe in advocating for our members and the communities that we serve. And, uh, you know, I think we're enabled by the technology. Uh, a year ago this week, uh, we actually completed our uh, a, a full core servicing system conversion. Uh, we had been on some outdated technology. Uh, we had been on a, a core servicing platform that was 28 years old. Uh, certainly it had some upgrades, but that's the other value that we're bringing to the small businesses and our members is, uh, you know, we've enhanced the technical platforms, and we're able to serve our members and the small businesses uh, both effectively through the digital channels uh, and locally through our 14 branches. You know, we often ask, Mike, because we interview startups on here, about what it's like growing a company in the St. Louis ecosystem. Um, for you, you're helping to grow these companies. And so it's it's kind of the, the opposite view of the question. Um, for you, what have you seen from these small businesses that are starting in St. Louis, whether they're a tech startup or in the other industries uh, that we've we've talked about? What do you see as the strengths in the, uh, the St. Louis startup and a small business community? Yeah, Mike, that's a great question. And, and, and there's a lot there. I think the most important thing that I see from it is Together Credit Union was able to help more than 1,250 new business accounts. And, and when, they're, when they're opening those new business accounts, they're getting the funds, they're getting the capital, they're getting the ability to deliver product and services to, uh, to the St. Louis community. And, and what's exciting for our business services team and uh, Paul Sheehan, our vice president of business services, has worked really hard at um, continuing to look for those opportunities because credit unions are about, you know, helping people. And oftentimes when you talk about startups or these small businesses, there are a lot of minority-owned and women-owned businesses. And we've, in that first round of the PPP, uh, 75 of the 300 businesses that we served were minority-owned and women-owned businesses. And we feel that that's the right thing to do because they're making a difference in the community and we can make a difference in helping them. Well, if you'd like more info, just go to togethercu.org. And Mike, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Mike. It's been a pleasure talking with you and Travis. That's Michael Doc Doherty, the Chief Lending Officer at Together Credit Union. And stay tuned. We've got more Nothing Impossible talk about St. Louis innovation up next on KMOX. 
Welcome back to Nothing Impossible on St. Louis's News Radio, KMOX. Welcome back as we continue on Nothing Impossible, talking about those starting new things in St. Louis and some of the challenges they face, some of the resources that are out there to help them. Welcome back, Michael and Travis with you. Yeah, and one of the new uh, opportunities and initiatives that uh, that is surfacing is a program called Voices, and we have uh, Lindsay Harrison, who... Uh, Lindsay, I believe you're a project manager at BioSTL. Is that correct? Yep, that's correct. And you're heading up this Voices initiative. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, so I'm really excited to launch Voices. Um, It was an idea that I kind of started thinking about later last year, um, you know, with everything happening in our country and society um, just wanting, like, started thinking about, like, where do people have a space um, to talk about some of the, the issues they may be feeling um, or experiencing if they, if they maybe aren't only in their establishment, in their place of employment, or um, if they're starting something new and they just don't really have a place to connect and to access resources and really started trying to think about what would make sense. Um, uh, my previous role, I worked in a corporate office that had employee resource groups and started thinking about what would that look like um, more in a community space. And so when you work at a company of over 5,000 individuals, it makes more sense to have an employee resource group. However, if you work at a smaller company or you you have your own startup company and there's only five or 10 people, it's obviously a lot harder to have an employee resource group. So I was thinking through what would maybe a community affinity group look like. And, and that's where Voices started. Um, and so it was kind of my original idea, but definitely want to shout out um, Gabriela Ramirez Arellano, who is my partner helping launch Voices, um, and she is with the Cortex and Center for Emerging Technologies. And I'm curious, you mentioned uh, the experience you've had with employee resource groups, and and you're talking with the community members about the need for this in St. Louis. What are the kinds of issues of fears that are brought up, that are discussed? What drives people to this kind of community and camaraderie? Sure. So part of it is um, when you're in a space and you might feel like you're the only person experiencing something um, as an only or as a minority, it's, it adds a lot more pressure to be dealing with it yourself. But if you can connect with other individuals who might have had that similar experience, it really helps you understand um, that it's not just you um, you know, it helps you put perspective to the situation and sometimes also helps you navigate through it. So if you can talk to other people who have had a similar situation and understand their journey, it helps you navigate through it yourself. And so you have that, you know, personal connection as well as it can be really great for an employee resource group for the company and in this community space, even for a whole community to just learn from the individuals who are having that experience. And so a lot of times, companies and organizations and communities, they say they they want to increase diversity, they want to increase inclusion, but they don't know how to do that. Well, what better way than talk to the individuals that you're trying to, to reach? And so, and then for example, for a company, um, if they're trying to reach a, the, a, a specific community, let's say they want to expand their connection to veterans. Well, if they have a veterans employee resource group, they can tap into that group and say, you know, what is it that would have been beneficial in your hiring process? Or how can we better understand your community and, and, and engage in that community? And so it helps 
the individuals as well as the organization really understand and work better together. Well, you know, a term that seems to have surfaced a lot over the last 12 to 24 months is this this term and this idea of imposter syndrome and a person feeling out of place and that, that they are pretending going through the motions because uh, oftentimes it's, it's rooted in not seeing representation uh, of other people like them. Uh, and it also, I would imagine, is partially driven by uh, people questioning whether a person is qualified to be there or not, or if they're just filling a quota. You know, the, some of the challenges we've had in the past with programs, you know, faulty programs associated with poor affirmative action. Uh, to what degree do these groups help people overcome that imposter syndrome and really find that representation? Wow. So, I mean, there's a lot of different pieces there. So one of them, as far as the individual overcoming their own imposter syndrome, like you said, you can find other individuals who have traveled that journey and who are there. And so um, we hope people will connect not only to resources, but to people. And so if they, um, for founders, for example, maybe someone who's interested in starting their own business or very early on that journey, and they're trying to say like, I don't know anyone else who's a person of color who's had a successful business. Well, hopefully they can come to voices and they can see other people who are succeeding and help give themselves the inspiration and confidence, but also the understanding of who they can connect to and what resources they can connect to to help support their business. Um, So, uh, you know, seeing other people connecting to and understanding what has led to their success can help them. Um, But also, you know, too often there's the discussion of the talent doesn't exist. Well, we're hoping that voices is going to bring a collective power um, where when organizations are interested in increasing diversity or increasing inclusion or want to see, you know, what talent is out there, we can be a whole collection of individuals to prove that the talent does exist and we're here. Um, And so uh, it's not just, you know, getting hired because of a quota, but no, like these are talented individuals who are successful in their careers and are successful in what they're doing. Um, and, and one of the reasons that I like the name voices is because we can use our collective voice and our collective power to hopefully make change in the community to really say like, no longer is it just that one person in a company who's causing a fuss. Um, but now it's a whole group of individuals And when we can bring our voices together, we can say like, no, this is actually a problem in St. Louis or in the entire community. And here's what we as a collective want to say about it. And Lindsay, how does this fit in? You've mentioned connecting people to resources. How does this fit into the spectrum of what's available uh, in St. Louis? For instance, we talked with Launch Code about Coder Girl and Code with Pride, uh, certainly two areas you might send people to. But what are some other examples of, of how this fits into the greater spectrum of what the St. Louis area has to offer? Yeah, so I mean, there's so many resources in St. Louis, but the downside of there being so many resources in St. Louis is sometimes it's hard to connect. You don't even know where to start, where to go, what makes sense. Um, and every resource doesn't make sense for every individual. And so hoping that bringing such a diverse group of individuals together um, and people really getting to know each other, that they can then make those connections um, based on their specific interest. And so um, we, again, we want to make sure that there's a diverse group of individuals and that's not just entrepreneurs. So we want individuals who are coming from entrepreneurs, support organizations or accelerators 
or any organization or person that's part of the startup community in St. Louis. And so by having people from various organizations and very various stages of business, we're hoping to connect a variety of resources. And so if someone shares that they are a founder and they're looking for support um, to raise capital, you know, maybe an accelerator is the right opportunity. Um, or if someone's interested in, you know, learning code and there's a participant from Launch Code who's part of Voices, then they can get connected. Um, and so we're really wanting a variety of people and experiences and organizations so that we can connect in all of the different capacities that people need. Well, and you have a you have an event coming up next Tuesday. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that and how people can get connected? Yeah, absolutely. So um, the event is kicking off um, from 4 to 5 p.m. next Tuesday, March 9th. Um, again, it's open to anyone and everyone in the St. Louis startup community. And it's going to be our opportunity to really just um, introduce myself and Gabriella um, and share the backstory around voices and what we're hoping that individuals can gain uh, from being a part of it and really also better understand what individuals are looking to gain from voices. And so we want this to be beneficial for everyone who participates. And so we want to hear people's opinion. Um, and I'm excited to kick off um, a special experience that we're hoping to make unique to all of our voices meetings. I don't want to spoil the fun, but I'll just say like we really do want to make it a chance for people to share their stories and share what they need and truly connect them to the resources that will help move them forward in their business and their careers. And so um, to register, there's a link if people are connected to BioSTL. Um, it's in our newsletter, um, or if they're connected uh, to the Cortex Connections Digest, it's in that digest. Um, or even if they just want to reach out to me directly, I'm happy to share the Eventbrite link. Um, we, um, and um, it's also on our social media for BioSTL, the registrations on our um, at BioSTL Twitter. And um, there's a lot of ways people can get connected, but we would love to have as many people as possible join our kickoff and share the news. Well, if you'd like to connect with similar peers in the community in St. Louis, not feel so alone, you can check out Voices this coming Tuesday, March 9th, again, 4 p.m. Voices Share, Connect, Lead. And we've got Program Manager Lindsay Harrison from BioSTL. Thank you so much for your time. We appreciate it. Thank you so much, guys. All right. Thanks for joining us for this week's Nothing Impossible. We'll be back next week with more stories about innovation and entrepreneurship in the St. Louis region. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 